Welcome to the Scripture Study Project, our podcast that gives you a fresh and faithful perspective of the scriptures that we hope will renew your excitement for your own personal study and help you passionately teach what you are learning to others. I am Krista, and I am here with my husband, Zach, and we are excited to be studying with you today. Um, This week, we are studying in Ephesians, and this episode, we won't actually be studying in church until the week after general conference. So next week, we're going to have a week off. um, So you have a little extra time to study and take it all in as well as taking in some preparation for general conference and kind of soaking all that goodness in. But what a great book to be studying as we prepare to hear from our um, prophets and apostles. I can't think of anywhere better to be studying than this chapter or this book. Well, in fact, we're coming right off the heels. Uh, We waited to record this episode until Sunday night because we wanted to be a part of this fifth Sunday lesson. So if you're listening to this on Monday, then uh, yesterday, hopefully you were able to take part in that fifth Sunday uh, broadcast or video from President Ballard and the other general presidents and the whole announcement of the youth curriculum, which just got us excited for... um, well, more excited than we already are for scripture study and got us excited for general conference coming up because I'm sure there'll be more talks directed uh, in that way there. And it's just an exciting time to be a member of the church. And uh, this book of Ephesians is exactly focused on that. Um, so we'll get to that in a minute. We uh, we were trying to think of a question to start this episode with, and really we just wanted to gush about the new uh, youth curriculum um, Zach wanted to gush. I wanted to gush about it. He must like that word. I I am I am beyond excited. And as we've as I've kind of picked up tidbits of this, you know, over the past couple of months and even years of what this shift is going to look like and feel like, there are so many elements of it that I hope we understand. First of all, the focus of this youth curriculum. Um, and by the way, it's youth curriculum, but you heard uh, President Ballard make this comment. You heard Sister Bingham say this, that this, if we're doing it, this really probably should be expanded to everybody. Anyone can take part in this, no matter what age. Sister Jones said that, that it doesn't matter how old you are, everyone can strengthen their testimony of the Savior and become more like him. Um, so that's the first thing I hope we all understand is that this is focused on the Savior. Um we are to become more like him spiritually, physically, intellectually, socially, and uh, our goals should help us become like him. Everything now is connected to him, which makes sense because that's been one of President Nelson's major focuses is this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the atonement of Jesus Christ. It's the church of Jesus Christ. We're members of the church of Jesus Christ. Everything is focused on him. Everything points us to him. And it just that adds a whole bunch of power to anything that we can do. And then the second thing I hope that we all caught about this is the trust placed in the youth and the children of the church, specifically in their ability to connect to their Heavenly Father and receive personal guiding revelation, which is another one of President Nelson's main focuses, and receive from the Lord direction for how they should focus their own life. I've been doing something this year with my students in seminary that I have loved. It's uh, new to me and new to them this year. And it uh, goes along with what we're going to be doing with the youth at the beginning of each seminary unit of study that we've been doing. So a unit usually is a couple of, you know, three or four lessons are in a unit. Uh, And I've 
told or asked my students at the beginning of each unit to take some time knowing, I'll do a little preview of what, what's coming in the next couple of chapters, but for them to take some time and ponder what they feel the Lord wants them to learn, feel, do, and become, and then to spend the next couple of weeks in seminary and outside of seminary focusing on that. Well, that's what this program is all about. It's the youth turning to the Lord, children turning to the Lord, and receiving from Him what He wants them to do and become and feel and learn and change, and and then to with the assistance of their parents and their church leaders, be able to actualize those goals. And so I'm just excited. I love the youth. I have all of the confidence in them in the world. Um, I hope that we as adults can make the cultural shift necessary to enable and empower youth to really take charge of their own spiritual growth and uh, and really collaborate with each other as they grow together in classes and quorums. I love it. I just think that it's really going to be so beneficial for, like you said, like all age groups. Um, and I can't help but think as I have the, um, come follow me manual open in front of me of this young man in his armor, ready for battle. Um, talking of course about the armor of God Mm -hmm. that we're going to be talking about today. But I was just thinking as Zach was talking, like we always, um, portray the armor of God on, on a young mm. person, Yeah, these young people out to battle and who are some of our most, our most fierce warriors are, um, these, these kids and these youth who really need the armor, um, but also need to teach us how to put on our armor too. Mm-hmm. And so I hope that we can really, um, let them lead out in the ways that we were taught today. So good. And I hope that this study, as you study Ephesians will allow you that opportunity to see how, um, how we can all put on that armor together and how we all need each other to put on our armor. Well, that being said, um, we are ready to get started into this study. Um, And I'm actually going to start out with some of the verses that I read in last week's episodes episode in Galatians. And this, it comes from Galatians chapter one, verse 11. And it says, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. Um, And in my um, CSB version of that, it says that the gospel preached by me is not of human origin. That was the one that I read last week. I know I read from that Bible. Um, And I used it last week in this um, way of explaining how good, (laughs) there's so much goodness almost this goodness that we don't comprehend because it's not of us. It's not from, it's not from us. It's not of this world because it's from God and all of the goodness of the fruits of the spirits that we can partake of. Um, and this week we're kind of turning the tables and talking about the other side of that. And so starting out in Ephesians chapter six, starting here in verse 10, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Um, I think here we are learning that we are fighting against something that's not of this world. 
that these are spiritual battles that we're fighting and they are real um, and they are all around us. This was a few years ago um, where I had, I think this has kind of maybe become my battle cry. These scriptures have become really meaningful to me. And that started a few years ago. Um, I think I was at a place where I was fighting some very spiritual battles, um, but a lot of darkness was was here um, inside of me. And I, I wondered what I was fighting and what I was feeling. And and I, I was confused at why I felt the way that I did. Um, and we were attending a training for seminaries and institutes. And this was a talk given by um, Kim B. Clark. And I, as he said these words that we're going to hear him speak, we're going to play a clip from, from that talk. I, he, he talked about these verses and I was overcome in a way that I don't think I ever have been before, um, the truth of um, this battle that we are facing, that we really are um, fighting against something that is not of this world. And when we feel darkness um, in ways we don't understand, it's because we are at battle against someone who is really powerful. Um, but we, have, we know the other side of the token. But I want to play this quote um, from Elder Clark that kind of helped me understand what I was feeling in a, in a very deep way. Many years ago, in a very difficult time in our lives, I felt under attack from the adversary. In that experience, the Lord made it very clear to me that I needed to do more and to be better. Let me give you just a little background. Sue and I had been married for over 30 years. We'd been active and involved in the church all our lives. We served in the church. We attended the temple every week. We prayed with our children, studied the scriptures with them, and held family home evening. We tried to be good Latter-day Saints. And yet, the Lord said to me, you need to do more. One night I had a terrible nightmare. I awoke very anxious and concerned, and I, I knelt and prayed to my Father in heaven for help. As I prayed, there came into my mind a passage from Ephesians chapter 6. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. In the morning, I looked up the scripture and I read these words. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. When I read the words, put on the whole armor of God, I felt a powerful witness of the Spirit that this was the answer to my prayer. I needed to put on the whole armor of God, every bit of it. And so Sue and I talked about what that might mean, and we prayed for guidance. I learned that we needed to ask ourselves two questions. I believe these are the questions whose answers will lead us to do what we need to do to prepare for what lies ahead. Here they are. First, what am I doing that I should stop doing? 
And two, second, what am I not doing that I should start doing? As we asked those questions in prayer, we received very specific answers. We changed how we spent our time, what media we allowed into our home, how we served in the temple, how we studied the scriptures, and how we served the Lord, and many, many other things. We needed to increase our spirituality. Through this process of repentance, the Lord Jesus Christ reached out and changed our lives. We felt his mercy, his grace, his love, and his power. Through his matchless power, he changed our hearts and our minds, and he lifted us up to him. I know that had we not listened and not acted on what we received, I would not have been called to serve at BYU-Idaho. And I would not be standing here before you today. It was a turning point in our lives. At the beginning of that clip, uh, you were sitting next to me, and you were fine. At the end, right about that last thing that he said, I turned over, and you were, I mean, you were in tears because of this. Yeah, I think that's putting it nicely. I was, <laughs> I was not really in the right place to be um, so overcome. But I think um, these scriptures have really become meaningful, and I love the way that he teaches them in this um, experience that he had. And I think I think we can all relate to this battle, this war that we are at. Um, this is something that all of us face in, in real and different ways, but that we um, can learn to to fight. And I think that as we understand this, this battle that we're at, I think we can become more equipped to, to fight back with, with the armor of God, with the light, with all the things that we have, have access to. So um, if that doesn't give you the emotional reason for studying it this week, I don't know what else will. Here's just the context that you need. Um, going on here's what's going on in Ephesus as Paul visits and then later he writes back into that same context if you remember back in Acts 19 there's the story um, Ephesus is kind of this it's it's one of the spiritual centers of of, of the Roman Empire um, specifically of the Hellenistic religion meaning this is where they've got they've got temples and idols and uh, it's a very bustling kind of religious center and Paul is causing quite a stir because he's walking around preaching that there are no gods made by human hands. The only God we worship can't be made by human hands. Um, and so there's names even given. There's a silversmith named Demetrius that makes idols. That's his living. And he gathers together everyone else that makes idols and accuses, tells them, basically, Paul's ruining our business. We got to stop this. And so they start preaching against Paul. Uh, this is Acts 19, um, verse 29. The whole city was filled with confusion. And then a little bit later on, some therefore cried one thing and some another, for the assembly was confused, and the more part knew not wherefore they were come together. It's just chaos. And it's into that environment that Paul is writing this letter. Here are the Ephesian saints, and they're just encircled with religious confusion, people shouting all different things 
all different ideas, and they don't really know what to think. And so when Paul writes back and says, we're not fighting this war just against the silversmith Demetrius, we are fighting a spiritual war against wickedness in high places, and we need an armor of God, and we need tools to help us. That's what he's talking about. And so what we want to do this study is start answering the question that you'll answer in your own study, which is what tools does Paul teach that we can use in our own spiritual battles, whether it's battles against doubt, faith, uh, critics, etc. What tools do you find in this study that you can draw upon for strength and for power? And I really like thinking about these tools that you can find in these chapters as kind of a training, like we're training our soldiers for this battle. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, thinking of these these young people going into battle, we're all going into battle. We all need these tools to, both for ourselves and I think as we look to others, to train them um, to fight against, to fight. So here's my first response. And, and forgive me if there's a lot of scriptures in this one because I just love the way that Paul lays this out. At the end of chapter one, Paul is finishing his salutation, the beginning of his epistle, which sounds pretty familiar. This is verse 15. Wherefore, I also, after I've heard your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the nations, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And then here's where it gets tricky because you have to pay attention to pronouns. Verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, meaning in Jesus Christ. And then later on in that verse, and he, verse 22, hath put all things under his feet, meaning the Father has put all things under Christ's feet and gave him, meaning Christ, to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Remember, if you're reading the scriptures, sometimes it's really helpful to get rid of chapter breaks. So pretend like there's not one in chapter two to roll right into verse one. And you, meaning us as members, he hath quickened, meaning the father hath quickened us, who were dead in trespasses and sins. And then verse four, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace you are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. And then perhaps one of my favorite lines in all of Ephesians, and maybe in all of Scripture, um, he mentions in verses 11 through 14 that there were some in Ephesus who were uncircumcised and are now members of the church. There were some who were circumcised and who are members of the church. There were Gentiles and there are Jews. Uh, and then he says this, verse 19, Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. I love that the first thing Paul teaches the Ephesians is that when there is so much confusion and chaos in the world around them, they can draw strength from unity and, and cohesion in the church. Uh, we belong 
to the church of Jesus Christ. He's often called the Lord of hosts in the scripture, which means the leader of armies. We belong to his army, and we are, or can be, should be, a unified army. And to the degree which we can be unified, the degree to which we can get rid of the strangers, the the barriers that keep this group from this group, and that group from that group, and these people from that people. Not that we ignore their differences, but that we find the common grounds with our fellow brothers and sisters. To the degree which we can do that, we can have strength in fighting our individual battles, not to mention the strength that we can have as a church in fighting battles against those that would criticize us and criticize our faith. I love that Jesus Christ creates unity, that following him creates unity. This is chapter four. There is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. I love those verses. And I love that God, our Father, and his Son, Jesus Christ, create unity, create love, break down walls and barriers, and that when we have that unity, we have strength. I didn't realize this before you started, but I'm kind of excited about how this next one kind of builds off of what you were just saying. Mm. Um, So starting in chapter 2, verse 19. So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with saints and members of God's household. So we're coming together as members together um, of God's household. In verse 20, here's the, here's the addition. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. Um, that we are built on apostles and prophets that we have um, them to come to battle with us. So we come together first um, as a group, and then we get to have this, these teachings and this strength from our, our prophets and apostles. And I don't think there's any better, like we said, any better week to be studying this than when we're, we're heading into general conference. And hopefully you're feeling some of that excitement for what's to come um, as we listen to them and learn from them um, to grow to grow closer to Christ. That's that's what they do. Um, and here's another, probably one that maybe some of you recognize and one of my favorites comes in um, Ephesians chapter 4, um, starting in verse 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, equipping, equipping the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be like little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness in the techniques of deceit. Of deceit. Sorry, I'm having some struggles enunciating my words today. But you get the meaning of this. Um, apostles and prophets can ground us in the way that they, they teach of Jesus Christ. They point us to our savior and they teach us and they they allow us to have that grounding and i feel like even kind of building off what you were saying zach is that that unity that comes as we as we follow them and as um, they lead us to christ i think it's just this this extra um, strength that we gain as we follow them i think you can see how important this is too because if you were to identify satan's attacks it's pretty obvious his attacks against unity 
and, of course, his attacks against the prophets and apostles who create that unity. Um, look at all of the things in the world that are pointed at destroying unity. And I'm just thinking of family. Look at all of the things in our world today that are targeting individual family members and seeking to pull them away from the family. Um, whether it's social media that creates the illusion of sociality with people without the actual physical connection and relationship, whether it's um, any other number of external forces that are infiltrating the home and then grabbing children and parents and and bringing them out of the home and spending a lot of my students will talk about how much time they spend away from their family and how they actually it, it hurts them but there's so many demands on their time and so many demands on their energy and here we have on this sunday both the president of the church and then the president of the quorum of the 12 and the relief society president the primary president young women's president the young men's president all talking about how important it is that we recenter and refocus and reunify our homes that we as parents take responsibility for the spiritual growth of our children and that we spend time learning the gospel uh, engaging in meaningful activities and helping them develop personally so here's a perfect example of the world trying to tear us away from our families and prophets and apostles and church leaders refocusing us and reuniting us with the very people that will provide us strength in this battle. Another one of the strategies that, that I found was in chapter 5, starting in verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Um, it makes, I guess, maybe the, the phrase that came to my mind was, remember the light. Um, he goes on to say, live as children of light for the fruit of light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Um, maybe I'd say, remember the light and I'd say, let's use our light to fight against the darkness. I think we've, we can all remember those times when we have, we've felt the darkness and we've felt the light. I think remember those, those times of light and how powerful that can be. And we know that there's darkness out there. Um, and we felt that darkness. So let's use, use our light to help um, fight, fight against the battles that we're at. Now, you'll find more things in your study for you individually and for those that you love and care about. Uh, Paul sums this up, in my opinion, really well, right in the, that's not a summary because it's in the middle of Ephesians, but I love these verses. This is chapter 3, verse 14. For this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. If we are fighting a war not against physical enemies, but against spiritual enemies in high places, it makes sense that our Father and our Savior would be focused primarily on the strengthening of our inner men and women and the inner men and women of the, the youth that we, that we love and that we teach and that we parent. Um, that strengthening then does this, verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. And that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, 
that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. It's one of those scriptures you need to pause on every single word, which I think I did in reading it because it's that good. But we are convinced um, from our study and from our experiences um, that we have on our side both the Father and the Son and the Spirit that guides, that helps them to guide us and to enable us in this battle, um, and that we'll win. Satan loses the war. He's going to fight individual battles, but he loses the war. We're on the winning team, and if we just stay with our captains, put on our armor, um, we'll win. For this reason, take up the full armor of God, so that ye may be able to resist in the evil day, and having prepared everything to stand, take your stand. Stand therefore with truth like a belt around your waist, right righteousness like armor on your chest, and your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray at all times in the Spirit with every prayer and request, and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Thank you so much for studying with us this week. Enjoy General Conference. We will be back in two weeks with our next episode, so enjoy the week off and study the words of prophets and apostles, and we will see you next episode.